Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Walk Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Ben Reutener. Hello there. And Josh Brown. Hello there. Hello to the both of you. We are all on a secret assignment, or the results of which will become clear in the coming weeks. Um, but that's why our voices, or my voice, is extremely echoey. Um, and just the, the background visuals, different things that we're showing are all very different for each of us uh, beaming in from where we are. Um, however, um, Josh, you wanted to have a bit of a conversation on the state of PlayStation exclusives across 2020. Um, because I haven't really realized this, but it is... A kind of an insane year for PS4 exclusives. And we've sort of um, rolled them all together to sort of talk about different things. And I've got a list of exclusives for 2018, 2017. And um, what was it about this year? When did you sort of realize that like PlayStation won a bit of a run? I'll tell you why, Scott. It's because every single time I felt like I was playing a big game, mm. I felt like I kept saying the phrase, this is one of my favorite things ever. I wasn't saying <laughs> this is one of my favorite games ever. I was saying like, this is one of the best media experiences I've ever had. Like, I feel like I've been saying that more and more over the past year or so, but especially going into this year with a few certain games that we've been getting. And I just thought it was like such a celebration because I was thinking about everything that we've had so far, every single big PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. And yet I was also, just salivating at the thought of the PS5 games that I'm yet to play, you know what I mean? That are yet to drop over, you know, whenever this podcast comes out, over the next few days, perhaps, if you're in, you know, it's the Wednesday US. today, mate. I don't know what day Wednesday. it is for you, but it's definitely well, Wednesday now. It's Wednesday day. The PlayStation 5 comes out tomorrow. Scott, is it Wednesday? It's Tuesday. Is it Wednesday? <laughs> I'm losing my mind, right? It's, it's Wednesday, Wednesday when this goes up. Wednesday what? tomorrow. Yeah, That's yeah. when the PlayStation comes out. The point is, I was thinking... This year has already been awesome in terms of PlayStation releases, and it's going to get even better because I've got Demon's Souls to look forward to. I've got Spider-Man Miles Morales. I've got Sackboy. I've got Astro's Playroom. That, combined with everything else, is just a match made in heaven. And I was uh-huh. thinking, maybe this is the best year they've ever had. Well, I mean, the, we've got, let's uh, break down some specific stuff. I'll, do a, I'll, do, I'll run everything off now because I don't think I'm missing anything. Um, but we've got, and these aren't in order, but these are the biggest sort of um, you know, PS5, PS4, and soon to be PS5, um, Sony exclusives across this year. Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part II, uh, Neo 2, Ghost of Tsushima, Dream, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Iron Man VR. Um, Iron Man VR sort of uh, sneaking in there, sort of clawing its way in amongst <laughs> everyone. Um, but we might as well break these things down. Um, I think, um, let's just start with Final Fantasy VII Remake because I think for both of you, obviously you haven't played the original, um, but this still worked as a like, entry point, a big sort of triple A I, one of for you, I think, Ben, right? One of your first Final Fantasies. My first ever Final Fantasy, technically, yeah. Yeah. 
Same for me, because, like, I wasn't even going to get this. Like, Ben Roy knows this. You know this, Scott. This was mm. one of the last games that we actually got to talk about, um, like, when we still went into the office, you know? Like, I remember this was going to come out. And the reason I got this was because we all went into isolation. We all went back home, and I had mm. a lot of free time in my hands. And I was like, if I don't play this game now, I might never play Final Fantasy VII. I might never find the time carved out to pump 40 hours 30 hours or whatever <laughs> into it and i'm just so pleased i did because like roy it was essentially my first final fantasy i dabbled before i'd obviously known a lot about it you know i had friends growing up and cousins growing up who absolutely loved it so mm-hmm. through osmosis i had some final fantasy knowledge but never had that firsthand and obviously you had been t- t- telling me for years at this point to <laughs> go back to the original and i kept saying no i'm not going to do it i'm going to wait for this remake and which honestly, still scars like, me to this day mate to be honest because it's I know, not i, know. I love the it, remake but it's not a patch on the original well i want to scar you even more because i, I love that i love what everything they do with the remake man even not mm. having that first-hand knowledge of the original the way they sort of like subverted it and smashed everything about what you thought you knew about, about where that story was going towards the end without getting into, you know, specifics. I just thought, I love the characters, I love the presentation, and I loved the balls, I guess, that the entire project had to go where it went towards mm-hmm. the end. My thing was just, like, I love the production value on it. I think that I keep kind of holding it up as one of 2020's most impressive looking games. I know that obviously the environment's done it. They're nowhere near the character model detail. Um, but in terms of the combat model as well, like obviously you guys don't necessarily know having followed the, the Final Fantasy franchise over the years, but they've really struggled with like a decent action combat model. Um, and like I thought this actually worked as just like, like a solid platinum style action, action slash thing. Um, and it's just, that was, even in itself was a massive achievement. Um, but even, and also like being able to capitalize on the Final Fantasy VII remake, like something that's been in the works for, you know, like, well, to be honest, almost 20 years. Um, mm. The first time they sort of mentioned it. Um, yeah, Benway, what was your general thoughts on where this sits as like one of the, in the sort of PlayStation library, I guess? It's, it's definitely up there for me. So like, it, this, it's technically the first Final Fantasy I've played because I've played, because obviously I've watched the Spirits of Vin, which is like an amazing achievement Definitely. in cinema for the time. Yep. And uh, I, I watched that out of a Sephiroth movie. I always forget about it. Uh, Spirit Child, I think it is, something like that. But no, uh, th- this, to be serious, like this game, uh, from the outset, I, I started, and I was, a bit like just like I'd never played it before. I didn't ever give a touch it. You know, I thought I'd give the franchise a chance. This is probably like what one of the best points to jump in because when I, like, yeah. on the outside looking in, I looked at Final Fantasy 15 and I was pretty judgmental. I was like driving around in a car and just having some, having a laugh. It didn't really look like something that would like sort of stick for me. Mm-hmm. So this one, I think with everyone around me telling me that Final Fantasy VII is one of the greatest things of all time, <laughs> I had to jump in. And then not only does it play well, not only does like, does it prove me wrong sometimes that like, not, all anime, not all anime adjacent things are bad. Like, I, I, like my, I, like, I like my Sailor Moons and stuff. Like, I'm, I get in there as well. But like, it has a great message as well. Is that like, not only was I playing the game, I was actually feeling for these characters and the combat sort of jived me. It sort of gelled. And I, I wasn't as bored because I think as a kid as well, like, the idea of a turn-based thing as a kid like mm. threw me away. But then you give me something like an XCOM, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to tweak the little slides and I'm going to sit there for ages planning where I'm going to go next <laughs> and I'm going to get right into it. But for some reason, when it comes to like classic JRPGs, I just wasn't involved. Oh, hey, if, if, and, if you're an XCOM fan, I return, you know, you've got Gears Tactics out there now as well. Yeah. Like if you, I still totally think that, that, that those mentalities cross over. Like, you know, give me turn-based combat all day long. 
I, I, I know. I think I think that I'm coming to more of a convergence of the two. Yeah. But with this one, I, I think I enjoyed the fact that I didn't have to just sort of like sometimes when I just play, play these games, I do get annoyed. It does seem a bit ropey, just like standing there and getting here and then trading below. So I, I like mm. the the ability to run around and actually do stuff. Like for the most part, the only time it got to me was like some parts towards the end of the game when like healing became an issue. It's like if you wasn't on it, if you wasn't have anyone ramped up for healing, you were just getting hit constantly. And there was like sometimes no way you could sort of escape certain things and certain right. bosses were a bit demanding. Uh, I felt like but um like uh, the bloody hell house whatever it's called. That thing. <laughs> you against that hell house I just a text every day that I'm still fighting. <sighs> When, when, when I fought that thing for, I think it was, um, you can laugh at me, everyone, 40 minutes, I think it was, and then died. It's a long fight, yeah. Yeah, and then I was just like, I, I don't know if I want to play this game anymore. I think I'm done. I think <laughs> I think I might just give up. Or I might just, I can't, I, I don't know. Like, I just lie about it. But then I managed to get past it and beat it. Because and... I was going to as a, a separate thing as well, because like, obviously the Hell House is part of like a reference to the original game. Yeah. You guys both feel like you knew exactly what was going on. I know we talked a little bit about um, when Ketchy turns up and you just see this like little dancing cat with a, with a crown Heck. on, which I know broke, I know Joplin <laughs> broke that whole scene for you because it comes during oh, a really yeah. emotionally wrought moment. And then, hey, randomly there's a cat with a crown on. Um, but did you, other, did you guys otherwise sort of get most of it or did you feel like, especially towards the end, it was like, I don't know, throwing you for a loop? Got, got most it. of it. I, th- I think I got most of it. I have no idea what the Hell House is in relation to the original. Like, I just, it just was a boss here. And I was like, that's right. cool. It's fun. I'm going to go with it. I didn't get any extra meaning for it, but it also didn't break anything. I just thought it was a cool set piece. But I thought they nailed most of the story beats towards the end, where even as a newcomer, I know enough about this world because it's so steeped in gaming mythology and gaming lore. Like, I know about certain characters who die. I know about, you know, certain characters who are important to the story who are supposed to die or are supposed to live or whatever. And the way they sort of like, tweak things around that i was like this all lands this all lands because final fantasy 7 isn't just a game in a vacuum final fantasy 7 is intrinsic to the gaming industry you know what i mean it's synonymous with a lot of um gaming history and a lot of a lot of the reason why people love this medium growing up in that so yeah, I, yeah. I, I i knew enough to get all the beats and i thought they were delivered with such confidence that even when i was annoyed in the game and i was plenty annoyed in this game <laughs> frustrated towards the end at points where i was like roy when i was just thinking i might just put this down like i might just be done with this Uh Um, there was a lot of lows in it like that but every single time it hit me with one of those peaks i was just thought like this is amazing like this is something we might um branch out and do even more sort of end of the year stuff or or games of the generation type stuff because there's so much more to talk about with with final fantasy 7 i know we covered it a couple times uh back when it first came out because you liked all the the quiet moments the the bits when it's sort of like the bits that are for me 100 percent padding because it wasn't in the original but i think that that it's it's just fascinating like coming into it fresh like just how those moments land and like how much you pick up on that was added versus taken away and um, we should talk about something else though the last of us part two um which i just i keep forgetting we even got that like it just <laughs> like such an event game um and i think that i like i don't know i feel like i'm glad i went through it i'm probably never going to go through it again i know both of you guys got the platinum um, yeah, so yeah. like i guess what's your general thoughts ben roy on just like where it sits i guess in 2020's list it's it, if i was talking as a last of us fan and someone like the last of us part one is this favorite game of all time but like there are some parts of it that didn't hit for me there are some things i would change or maybe stop around like i feel like the narrative structure is kind of messy when you look we take a step back and you have a little, little look back and you're like okay maybe they could mix this around like rather than uh, are we just going full spoilers and everything here 
Um, Josh, what do you think? I, um, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good let's, question. Let's air yeah. away from the biggest spoilers. Cool. I think we I, can talk about the spoiler that kicks the game off. I think yes. everyone knows that yes. at that point. And if you don't want to play it, if you don't want to know anything about it, go play it now and then come back here. We'll <laughs> only spoil the first. I think the, um, the big thing happens right at the beginning, which involves a former character from the previous game as the thing that has become the pop culture spoiler that pretty much everybody knows. So I think that's the only thing that we'll cover. You have been absolutely warned though. Uh, I thought it was going to go through more of the middle game sort of thing, but like uh, that was more of my critique. But like uh, it, 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 the whole thing, it just just felt like an, like when we say like oh, this is an achievement in cinema, this feels like an achievement in gaming, and this feels like it's um like gaming is so many different things, but this is pushing like cinematic gaming forward. This is pushing like the the design of environments. This is it's just like melding things together, and this mm. is be, this has become like the sort of like intrinsic like perfect game that i want to live in that i want to be able to like i can sneak around i can do all these sort of things it's not quite open world it's still directed but the wide linear i feel like this is that this is the perfect like this is the way going forward for game for me i feel like if more games fought and maybe not like to, to the scale because it's such it's such like an exhausting scale to get through in the end yeah. uh, but they've got the gameplay down they've got the graphics down they've got like a lot of the character work down and they made me cry twice like it, it, just sitting there bawling out in some parts i don't even want to say the thing and it just <laughs> i can't fault this game really apart from it's structure in some ways apart from that like i just sit back and go that was a thing and that exhausted me and i'm gonna play it again probably on my ps5 because i'm probably not gonna get a game on the ps5 i'm gonna have that and bug snacks so i might as well just play last of us part two <laughs> they might do like a 4k 60 type upgrade or something for last of us um i don't know i think that like i think it's a fascinating thing to pick apart i think that like as the credits rolled i remember just sort of thinking to myself like i don't know if i needed that i don't know if i needed that way for the story to go like considering what they do at the very beginning and then that sort of you know takes out with the running something that they could have gone with but um cry I, now thinking about it. even when you said when the credits roll i'm thinking about the last cuts yeah. you see before the credit like oh well that that's the thing that's the, the beauty of it the way that it's so powerful it's like i've never had a game made make me feel that before like the way that um when everything comes to a head and you have that the, the final sort of confrontation and the, the way that comes together like i said i've, I've never felt a gen, genuine sense of like just hating the idea of human violence and just the fact that so many of us can't reconcile and things like that and i thought that to be able to make that playable and, and, and be interactive like is an achievement in game design um, it makes you think medium. even when you're sort of like there's a point when you're going through and there's i was just say a lot of death around you i mm. think you both know what more about that and i'm just yeah. sitting there and i felt like i'm um, in clockwork orange when you're having your eyes held open you're just looking at awful things i felt like i was being put through something i wasn't mm. like it wasn't fun but it was sort of like it was it changing in the way of just taking it all in and trying to get through this it was mm -hmm. it was just a different experience on, on another level i think just the amount of um like the fact that naughty dog like obviously they're published by sony but they don't like seem to answer to any sort of standard corporate whims whatsoever you can tell that they put every yeah. ounce of themselves into it they didn't hold back at all the budget was sky high and um, but they spent it in like you know very specific ways like specific performance capture and like your know, specific castings and environmental detail and stuff like that like i do think it completely works like it's you can tell what they're going for um it's just that it's strange having finished it and lived with it for the months after because it is so grim and like it's hard to get through it's really tough subject matter um it didn't make me it hasn't made me think about it since then um, which is, I don't know, I'm still kind of grappling with that as to like whether I do think it's one of the like, you know, top three of the year or whatever. 
Um, but I'm still amazed by it. And I still was like completely glued to it the whole way through. Um, I've, um, yeah. I've kind of dominated this one. I wanted to see if Josh had anything mm. to throw in for Last of Us Part 2. Because I just kind of like just Josh get out of the way I'm talking about Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Um, it's, it's funny because when it first came out, obviously I, I reviewed it and played it a couple of weeks beforehand. But I felt like it almost lasted Last of Us myself out. You know what I mean? I did the mm. review. We talked about it. You know, the discourse around it, you know, the whole fallout and stuff was so kind of you know toxic in a lot of ways like i didn't want to talk about it which sucked because i did love it but now i feel like everyone's kind of calmed down a bit we can discuss it um yeah. a bit more and yeah like what I, what I was alluding to at the beginning of this video when i said there are a few things this year where i've gone that's just one of my favorite things ever like the last of us part two was one of it like i finished this gaming experience and just felt so i don't know i felt like different i felt like 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 roy said you know in a lot of ways it felt like the apex of this kind of cinematic storytelling or cinematic gameplay that naughty dog has been kind of perfecting for a long time mm -hmm. but for me and i know this is obviously subjective but uh like they nailed every single sort of like plot beat all the characters even the new characters i found myself really sort of intrigued by and kind of falling in love with like you know lev and abby to an extent like when i was playing through their sections for like the second time i was like i just i just get it like the first time i was like very much focused on ellie's story and i was just thinking i want to i want to see more from this i want to see how this ends i was essentially just wanting to see how it ended because i was so invested in thing, you know yeah. yeah the whole thing but it was the only game one of the only games if not the only game that i've ever played where i immediately played through it again like i played through it for review i played the last of us one again and then that was that hit the launch day and then i played last of us two again without those expectations without the pressure to like to um sort of review it without the pressure for the game itself to live up to something that i had in my head and that second time was even better because i got to appreciate it much more and got to appreciate it on its own terms and not just the terms that i laid out for it and not just what i wanted or expected it to be and it's it's kind of like not waned on me like every single time i think about this year in gaming like the last of us 2 remains at the top of it and i can mm. think about some of those scenes a lot of them involving um ellie and joel like in the just so well done so tender and yet it's so kind of like tragic and like it stays with you it's almost haunting in a way like it's it is depressing it is sad but i don't think it's a game that is sort of like hateful or anything even though it's about hate i think oh, no. the story at the heart of it is this story the cycle about, of violence it's all yeah, about it's, the, it's about the cycle of violence doesn't solve anything like hate yeah. of hate that won't cause it if you 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 if you come back as saying like that you're just going to cause more chaos which happens in the story and like a few times yeah and exactly. like I, I put in the um the the whole like ending explain type thing i think that it's strange because it's one of the most pro-life games ever in terms of like overall vitality like go live your life learn how to live with your mistakes learn how to forgive like, you know, there's multiple times that you interact with wildlife and, you know, there's, there's different, different portrayals of like sexual attraction and stuff. It's just, it's a really like vivid, like I said, like pro-life game. Um, but it's told through such a, like, I don't know, grim, like forceful kind of way that I think it, it does, it forces you into a really specific headspace that is yeah. like tough to get through, but ultimately like it does pay off. And even though, like, I obviously love it, I give it, like, five stars in the review, which I totally stand by. Like, it's one of my favorite games of the generation. Like, even though I, I can love it and appreciate it, I can still recognize that there are, you know, like, certain flaws or certain things that they could have done better. And that's, like, just every game. You know what I mean? I feel like no game, in my mind anyway, is perfect. Like, to get all the games I love every single one of them has something that I could point to and be like, well, I would have perhaps liked it if they did that slightly 
better of the change that or whatever because we had someone in the comments and i know i shouldn't read the comments because it's just like you know <laughs> looking into the void sometimes but yeah. um i think it was someone was saying like oh what culture um gave this like love this at launch and now they just keep um taking the piss out of it and joking joking about it and i'm like yeah but that's good because i can take the mick out of something that i love i don't have to be sensitive over it. i don't have to no. be protective over the last of us too i can acknowledge that i love it and it's one of the best games of all time but it doesn't take anything away from it to like you know make some valid criticisms or to you know take the mick out of some of the more kind of self-serious things that it does like that's to me is inherent to loving something you know you yes, take the faults with the with the pros and you sort of appreciate it on its own terms but in the i think it's so good in the terms of last of us too that it just for me holistically it just all came together and left me with some of my most favorite you know gaming moments mm. of the past seven years or whatever like i was gonna say like just appreciation is not blind faith like you, mm. you take everything like you analyze the entire product the whole package the whole work like it's you know yeah. That, 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 I love that those are, I can't think of the specific sort of quote or who popped out with it, but I love the idea that it's like true beauty always comes with blemishes. Like that is beauty because it's, it's, it's everything. It's the entire package. Um, and like, yeah, Last of Us, Last of Us 2 is a hell of a conversation. Um, and I guess we'll, um, we'll like slowly sort of bring it together. We might do a, a more specific sort of games of the year podcast. Um, Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
we're going to do a lot more stuff to schedule throughout December. Um, next game down, which neither of us played all the way through, we sort of like delved in different bits and pieces of it. So we'll do this quite quickly is Neo 2, which I forget is a PlayStation 4 exclusive for 2020. Um, I think because it kind of got lost a bit and just, it's always in the shadow. It feels like the Neo games are kind of in the shadow of the Souls series. And then with Sekiro sort of dominating so much in terms of like an Eastern themed uh, Souls game, then Neo 2 sort of came out and it's so hard that a lot of the initial reactions were like, okay, it's more hard Souls type stuff. And then that was kind of it. But Neo 2 initially grabbed one of you, at least. I think, Josh, you were going to get it. It's just, it's just one of those games that, like, I, I appreciate that it exists. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate that Sony's helping kind of, like, fund this series and helping, you know. It's, it's definitely, I always get them mixed up. It's definitely Team Ninja who does... Uh, yes, and Ninja Theory. Not, Ninja Theory is Hellblade. And yes. Enslaved and stuff, yeah. Yes, I always get, every single time, just Same. because they've got Ninja in the title, I always get it mixed up. But <laughs> I like that they've sort of moved on to something that's kind of evolved what they used to do, and mm. they are producing this really high-quality, you know, thing that is clearly in the vein of From Software's level of difficulty and hardness or whatever. But it just, I just, I just love that it's there, and I love that people enjoy it, and I love that, you know, in a world where we're moving towards online services and multiplayer and stuff like that, that we still have have this franchise that you know sony is helping produce that um you know can be championed and stuff mm-hmm. i think um for the second year or two it's something that i kind of i want to try and mop up before the end of the year just to sort of delve in a bit more it's just that that game you need to be in the right headspace to go up against neo 2 and it's like mm-hmm. i think i'm just gonna get flattened by it a game that i absolutely love though is uh, ghost of Tsushima, which is just that's in my top five for the year like easily i just think that that game's sense of flow um just the combat was brilliant the story was absolutely badass like they, by the end of Ghost of Tsushima, without going into specific spoilers, there are some thematic connections to Last of Us 2 that kind of made me go like, okay, like you can also do this. You can also go down similar routes um, in regards to like allegiances and going against what you're supposed to do and like, you know, holding on to grudges and stuff like that. Um, I guess, Venroy, where, were you, where did you land on Tsushima eventually? I know you're the most negative out of the three of us on it. It's weird, it's weird to say negative. I feel like it's more like, I would, I'd say my opinions are like critical. Like I feel like mm. the second Ghosts game is going to be the one that is going to be like the like the, the top tier sort of like thing for me where I go to it. This, this game is the defining game of that series. But for me, I just had some, I had minor gripes kind of like all the way through. Like I, I joke about finding the foxes and yeah, that's fine. But there's certain <laughs> things like, um, like I, I admire the whole mechanic of like not giving people the option to have a mini, uh, like to have a mini map at all. But I feel like that's something that should just be in games. You should be able to turn that on and off. Like, and mm. I, play, I played a few, look, um, what is it? Ghost Recon Breakpoint gives the option to turn the mini map on and off in like, games like that. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe Ghost of Tsushima should learn. Things that Ghost of Tsushima should learn <laughs> oh. from Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Uh, but no, it was just, I liked how they took, this sort of time period, well, I say time period, they took this sort of like era and blended it all together. Like, because uh, they they basically come out of the boxes and look, this isn't entirely historical, his, um, histi- I can't even say historically accurate. For the old times. Yeah, because like, katanas weren't around in certain eras and mm. they, 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 they've come in there like, we want to make a fun game. And when you're in practice, uh, when you come to like certain settlements, the game for me just works and clicks. But yeah. other times I feel like some of it just drags. It's sort of like you, you always, a lot of the mission structure was go to a point and then sit on your horse and go somewhere else and then go somewhere else and then go somewhere else. And I, it just felt like towards the end, I was just running through the sort of like gears and just trying to, like we were just doing the same thing over and over again. Right. And I, 
some of the side character stuff was more like impactful to me than the main story and some of the main story stuff came through just like oh the poison ah, sort of thing like that just some things didn't sort of gel for me as much as this game and yeah it was it's in my top 10 but it won't pre, it won't fall out of my top 10 but i just don't think it is there yet i think it's the it's a bloody excellent first, like sort of stab at something they they've not done. But they 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 came off of um infamous, uh the third infamous game like at the beginning yeah. of the generation. Second so time. yeah, I mean it's I I like this pivot. And I hope that they do another one, and I hope that they only continue continue to improve. My thing was like I was just actually Josh I was going to say because you did the all the main story and all the side missions. You were mopping everything up like island by island. I think so. By the time you got yeah. to the end, you'd seen everything. Whereas I did all the main stuff and then doubled back and did some of the side stuff, which almost didn't work. They have written around it, but I had like you had a whole way different payoff where various characters were coming in Mass Effect Two style. Um, yeah. Whereas like for me, I still got that where some characters turned up, but I hadn't done all of their side story stuff yet. That's mad. So, yeah. it was, but it's just I yeah. There's a whole that's a whole thing around. I did what I did what Josh did as well. I did that everything as I sort of went up. Right. It was so funny because I was like obviously talking to Scott while we were going through it. We were, we were both like, yeah, we, I love this game. And Scott was like, I love this game. And I was like, yeah. I love this about this game. And you were like, I haven't done that about this game. I love this game. And I was like, I haven't done that about that part. And it was so funny that we came to the same conclusion on this title, yet had radically different sort of, at least approaches to playing mm-hmm. the game. You know what I mean? And we experienced different parts of it at different times. We seemed like we connected with um, some parts over um, the other in certain cases. But this was something that like, I, I expected to like it. I was really looking forward to it. And I was really craving a game like it at the time, especially mm-hmm. coming out of The Last of Us Part Two, which was obviously, you know, so focused and whatever. But I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. And I remember when it started clicking about four hours in or something. And then I just couldn't stop playing it. It's mm-hmm. one of those games where, you know, we were at work during the day and I was thinking about it at night. And I was like staying up well past my bedtime to, <laughs> just completely dig into these side missions and i just think it has something to it it has a lot of repetition and it has a lot of archaic game design i think especially in terms of some of the side quests i do think they're lying out in ghost of Tsushima too but when it is compelling it is so compelling and when you are doing those missions with the side characters and when you are like learning more about them and then they feed into the main missions and stuff and i just mm-hmm. thought i didn't expect the level of storytelling to be that strong and it was and it made those big you know fist pumping moments completely land like there was one mission towards the end i think again i messaged you scott Mm. and i was just like that was awesome that is an incredible gaming moment like the narrative pays off it feels great it was just again like constantly surprised me in so many different ways and i love how they approached the open world and the leveling and stuff i felt for once for the first time in a long time that the abilities actually changed the way i played that i was looking forward Mm. to leveling up my character and that combined with the freeform exploration, like I, I, I'm a sucker for something like the wind system where I yes. don't just have these points in the map where I'm going to and kind of like mindlessly mopping them up, even though I sort of was towards the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I had to look around me and take in the environments made me appreciate the environments like re- even more. And they are some, you know, really highly detailed stuff and also it just looks gorgeous doesn't it, it just is, this is this, um, something about it that i for me 
there was like it's there's a sense of tranquility and serenity to it that I think it's it kind of it's obviously filtered through the the region that they're playing in the historical like the um, historical accuracy side of it I guess is a little bit skewed but to someone like me who doesn't know um, you know Eastern history as much as I should or something like that um, there was a bit right at the beginning where you just you know you sit down at one of the shrines and you just you get to like play the flute for the first time you write a haiku and then you're just playing the flute as you're walking around and then I you know I stopped like a bandit attacking someone and then I went off to a different camp and I freed someone else. And I just thought that it just, it tied in so well with the story they were doing about this one lone survivor, just trying to take back his country from the, like these Mongol invaders and trying to like hang on to little parts of like tradition and like, you know, just representing the soul of, I guess, Japan that's trying to sort of like fight off these different people. And I just, I don't know, there was just something so beautiful about that. And it comes through in the world design, it comes through in the, the wind system and ways that get away from gaming. Like, I feel like Ever since Breath of the Wild, tons of devs and tons of coverage has talked about games that have tried to do what Breath of the Wild did, where you remove the systems entirely and you just naturally flow from one thing to another. And Ghost of Tsushima is obviously, you know, you can bring up icons and you can bring up different things to go to. And like, you know, you have a mini map and that, you know, that would have like helped with those things. But for me, the point was to get away from all that and just, like, just experience this whole thing in one gorgeous sense of flow. And it's proper artsy fartsy stuff. But I just thought that it nailed that feel and it's such a specific feel. And I think it's somewhere rooted in between tranquility, serenity, but also, you know, engaging with a really brutal combat system when it's required, because that character, Jin Sakai, needs to do that to protect his homeland. From my, from my critiques, I feel like Sucker Punch have made an excellent like four, like four out of five, eight out of ten game. But I'm not saying this is like a this is like a, a four out of ten or no. a two out of five sort of game. But I just feel like I would you would never catch me going. I want a mini map and like say the Last of Us Part Two because like yeah, I feel like that's a more directed game. I feel like mm. sometimes they're trying to be. Uh, <laughs> I, I I could see where it, what they were coming from with it. It just didn't work. Like especially when you got to settlements and then you would have the marker appear at the top of the screen when you got closer. It was with me. I just sometimes decisions just sort of threw me off in that game where I felt like I would have wanted that. Like when I'm in an open world, I I sometimes I just want the I, I just want the option to just sort of like not know where I'm going. But some points are climbing up mountains and things that didn't also work for me. But in the way like. It, it, it was just still like a, a lush game to look at, like the like especially going through the first forest, like you could uh, take the mechanic out of It's the game of the pretty leaves, but the pretty leaves look really good. The pretty <laughs> leaves are really pretty. Yeah, and like and I think it's like it, it suffers like a lot of games do where like it's first the first part of Tsushima is well way better to like explore and like more interesting than the last. But like I think that's like I think that a lot of games have. But I think that like Sucker Punch. At the end of the day, they've taken this and they've just gone for something new. Oh. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's like, I enjoyed my time with Days Gone. I think Josh did as well, but I feel like this is a probably a Days Gone, but with more heart to it. Like, say, they're taking that Sony formula and they, they've injected heart and they've tried there's to a lot do a bit of more with yeah. Yeah, I was more a lot of like Sony yeah. formula stuff like emerging now. I think that it's pretty easy to see that thing, like over shoulder camera, slow narrative bits, like, you know, open world, whatever. There's like, it's, it's Sony are very much like zeroing in on that stuff. And it's like a mix of Last of Us and then it became stuff like Days Gone. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see what the hell happens next gen, whether that becomes the Sony formula that is that identifiable, like 
on the surface. Um, we are very quickly running out of time. However, we were going to talk about Iron Man VR Dreams and Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, you guys, which one do you think we should focus on? I could fire it through at 30 seconds of Iron Man VR before we moving on. Iron Man VR is, is not amazing, right? It's not awesome, <laughs> but it's, it's a good experience. The first time you fly in Iron Man VR, the first time you become Iron Man, it was, it was incredible, <laughs> it man. Like Iron this Man. was... Yeah, yeah. This is like peak um, sort of lockdown over the summer. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd completely started to lose my mind. I'd, I'd been wearing these jeans for like what felt like six months. It was just, I was, I was stinking. There was crisp packets all over the place. I had my Ironman VR headset on and I felt serene for the first time in a long time. Like it's, it needs way more um, variety. It needs way more sort of creativity when it comes to the missions. But the core concept of being in these like mini sandboxes, being able to control the nuances of your flight, the nuances of your abilities and customize your suit and stuff. It's just, it's a very, very solid um, superhero game. And just again, prove to me why, why VR is so special and why you can do these things. Like it's no Half-Life Alex five out of five or anything like that. But if you love superheroes, if you want something to enjoy in VR, like that's your, that's the thing you go to. Cause it's just, it is so fun. And speaking of awesome superhero stuff, Spider-Man Miles Morales, um, obviously I'll just point people towards the overall review we have on the YouTube channel. Um, and we're going to be talking about Miles Morales a hell of a lot more in the future as well, because both you guys will be playing it um, in, the, in the coming weeks. Um, Miles Morales is just brilliant. I mean, it's like, I think that it's a little bit too short. I feel like I blew through it way too quickly. Like it's kind of all over in about six to eight hours. And that was doing some side stuff as well. Um, but Miles Morales himself, the way that they write that character, because I, I only know Miles from Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and then this, like I've like seen him in comics, I've played as him in Ultimate Alliance, but it's not like, I don't know the character. And then the way that they paint him in this is this like communal Spider-Man, this sort of different version because Peter Parker is so fundamentally isolated, or at least he is for the vast majority of a lot of the, uh, the arcs that they've done. Um, this is a Spider-Man that is like proud of his community, that is proud of where he comes from. He wants to do what he can for the people around him. And he has that support network. Um, and I think that that's like a fascinating thing to bring to the dynamic of what Spider-Man even is, like the duality of that character. Like Miles might know someone, but then, you know, like as Miles, he has to tackle a situation differently and things like that. Um, so Spider-Miles Morales is a hell of a follow-up to the 2018 game. I just wish it was a lot longer. Did you say six to eight hours? Yeah, it's quite Wow. Short. Is it like a full price seventy pound oh, yeah. game? It's a full price game. <laughs> well, I think oh. it is slightly cheaper. I think it is. Uh... It's not. Yeah, sorry, it's not seventy, but it's still like a premium price tag. They're bundling okay. it with the Spidey remastered thing, so it kind of extends it a bit, uh, expands it a bit. Sure. But um, it's it's yeah, it's pretty sure. I mean, the thing is, I I'm coming to it from someone who platinum the original Spidey. I feel like I'm pretty good at the combat. I didn't I didn't die once in Miles Morales. I just flew through it. Um, and that wasn't rushing it. It was just taking it in. Like, it's such an easy game to just take in. Um, so I still totally recommend it. Recommend it. I guess the only, only potential negative is that the actual story is quite short, but there's a lot of stuff to do in the open world. Um, last thing is Dreams, which I love Dreams. I feel like I should have devoted a hell of a lot more time to it. Um, Benroy, you also played a little bit of Dreams over the year. Yes. Uh, dreams, it was very dangerous. I had to stop myself because I started playing it and I started playing people's levels and I thought about making my own level. Mm. And then I read the levels and then I remembered the Mario Maker 2 hole that I fell down to the point where I was sitting in um, Belfast, Airport, Belfast Airport, should I say, almost missing my flight because I was trying to finish my <laughs> level that I'd made to torture people online, like trying to hold shouts in. And obviously, like, Dreams isn't made for that sort of reason to torture people and Mario Maker 2 is but the breadth of the stuff that is on offer like playing just playing the games it's just like 
just not jumping into anyone's just simple like fun little platform level or someone's little comedy game or mm. like someone like anything like I, I have never seen something like and I, this sort of in depth and I can't believe more people aren't talking about it and I'm sorry it just needs to go to PC because if it goes to PC mm. like then that thing will explode and oh oh no <laughs> my <laughs> lights have gone off <laughs> I love that. They're like, no, uh, Ben Royce making too good of a point. We've got to, we've got to silence we've got to him down. I, I love a little reflection. You can see there he is. He's back. He's, he's surviving. The um, the perils of filming in this particular place that we can't talk about yet. But, secret bunker that we're in. Yeah, the secret, yeah, the secret underground 2020 bunker. Um, yeah, I think like you said, it needed to be talked about a hell of a lot more. I feel like they didn't do that much marketing around it. It sort of just came out. And considering the scope of what you can do, like literally make anything. Um, it's weird because that requires such a humongous time investment, but I think they could have done a better job at showcasing like, look, you can get, you know, basic animation off the ground, like in an afternoon, you can get like, you know, you can animate different characters, you can make a platformer in in a few hours. Yeah. I'm sitting here. It's amazing because it, it, I, I can't understand how they've made this work. Mm. And I keep looking. I've watched more than I've played. Right. I, I sit there and watch on YouTube. I, it just it's more like a, a nice relaxing experience. Well, me, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like I learned more about game design and game development just playing yeah. it and seeing it and going, oh, so that stitches to that, and that's how that becomes that. Like, it's just it's a very unique feeling, like seeing how stuff comes together. It's just someone who also got. Far too far into Minecraft as well. Just like the idea of this, but even on the level, I can't, I I need Josh to save me from this conversation now because I'm getting sucked in and thinking, (laughs) I'm going to go home and play Dreams tonight rather than Gears Tactics. Gears Tactics, though, I need that in my life. Let's kill this PlayStation podcast. Go back and play Dreams. I'm the same as you guys, right? Uh, Well, to an extent. Mm. I've I've played zero minutes in Dreams. I've put not a single second into it, but I've watched so much about it because the problem is I have no imagination. Like, it's why I've never really um, (laughs) jived with Lego or Minecraft or anything. It Uh, it sucks to be me because I can't create anything myself, but I can really appreciate everything that it's doing and everything else that everyone else is doing in it and the levels they've created and the ideas they've come up with. Like, watching people's creations come out of it has been like a genuine joy and the fact that we had that this year almost like similar to like animal crossing or whatever where you just sort of feel this kind of sense of community this feel of this feeling of creation and sharing your ideas and like helping each other out and stuff i just mm. thought like that was awesome and it also helps that the tools that they've created you know after so many years in development are this robust and this intuitive and this accessible that you know you can jump on and just start creating you know straight away like you said so while i necessarily can't get much out of it firsthand like i just think they They've done a sort of bang up job with it, and I wish that it did have more of a player base. I guess I wish more people. Yeah, it's it's got like it's got an insanely hardcore player base for what oh, yeah. there. It was, it was kind of the same with Little Big Planet. Like the people who were going to take to that were, were just going to play the living hell out of it. Um, but yeah, it's a hell of an achievement in sheer game design. The idea of giving you a set of tools that can literally make anything like it's ridiculous. Um, it's... But yeah. Yeah, we're going to add a little final thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, whereas Josh, is, he hasn't played a moment, a moment. I didn't play a moment in Neo 2 because, unlike <laughs> Josh, I, don't, I, 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 I couldn't do any more of that after finishing Sekiro this year. So just finishing Sekiro <laughs> to then s- someone in the game and God's like, here's another game slightly like it. Like, do it again. Leave me alone. 
<laughs> I'm going to go play something nice and fluffy yeah. and not abrasive. Which was dreams. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we kind of, yeah, we've put together a list of 2020s games um, in regards to the like, looking at it through a PlayStation lens. We'll end up doing an overall 2021, um, I don't know, later in the month or whenever it is. Time doesn't feel real in this weird bunker that we're in. <laughs> um, but anyway, for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Turner. Someone let me out, please. And Josh Brown. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I will catch you next time. Please. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.